I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. FibroCell Science is developing cell and gene therapies to treat rare skin and connective tissue diseases. The company recently reported encouraging preclinical results on its gene therapy for RDEB, a congenital progressive and debilitating genetic disorder that leads to death. The data sets the stage for FibroCell and its partner in Trexon to advance the experimental therapy to human clinical trials. We spoke to David Pernock, chairman and CEO of FibroCell, about the company, its cell and gene therapies, and how these technologies promise to bring new approaches to treating devastating diseases. David, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure, Dan. Thanks, thanks, for ha- thanks for hosting. Really appreciate the time. Well, FibroCell, with its partner in Trexon, recently presented preclinical data at the European Society of Human Genetics Conference in Glasgow about its experimental gene therapy to treat a rare genetic skin disease known as RDEB. Perhaps you can start with RDEB. What, what is it? How many people have it? And, and what treatments exist today? Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, what, what happens is RDEB is a rare congenital uh, devastating disease known as recessive dystrophic epidermal mylosis bullosa. Unfortunately, it's a progressive and very debilitating and painful genetic disorder that ultimately leads to premature death. Uh, RDB is caused by severe blistering, uh, causing open wounds, open wounds and scarring that are due to any type of friction, including normal daily activity like hugging, rubbing, scratching, walking, bathing, even eating, and more. So children who inherit this condition are often referred to as butterfly children because their skin is as fragile as butterfly wings. Uh, RDB itself is caused by a a genetic mutation of the Col7A1 gene. The gene, this gene encodes uh, type 7 collagen, which is a protein that forms little fibrils or thread-like fibrils to hold together the various types of skin. Without these fibrils, the skin layers separate, and this causes the severe blistering and open open wounds. There are approximately there are approximately 1,100 to 2,500 RDB patients in the United States currently. So, from a, a biological point of view, what what exactly is happening that the, the there's a lack of of this collagen that's being formed? Yeah. So, so basically, uh, put very simply, the 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 fibroblast cell is the most uh, common cell found in, in skin and connective tissue. And one of the proteins that is expressed from a normally functioning fibroblast cell is this collagen 7. So in a person that does not have this disease, the, the collagen 7 forms a thread-like fibril that attaches layers of skin together, so the skin is nice and tight. Um, what happens uh, with this genetic mutation is a recessive gene is inherited from both parents. And as a result of that, uh, as a result of that mutation, uh, these children are not producing this collagen 7, therefore they're not producing the fibril. Um, so what happens uh, upon even, uh, even when they're born, uh, just the, you know, passing through the, through, the, through the vaginal tract in delivery, you know, this friction causes blistering. Mm-hmm. 
so you know genetic tests are done you know immediately and they're diagnosed as having RDB from a very early onset of life. So <clears throat> as they go through their life, uh, what they end up having to do is to wear a lot of bandages to help to reduce uh, any type of uh, friction that might cause more blistering. Um, and they are often using you know antibiotics and, and, and wound healing agents and also a lot of dressings and bandages. Uh, even bathing and caring for the, uh, these children on a daily basis is, can take hours and hours of of uh, very careful time and loving care by the parts of uh, on the part of the parents and family members to take care of the children. So what our goal is basically is to take the fibroblast from uh, the person that's their own fibroblast cell, and then we basically genetically modify it to uh, put the gene that produces the collagen seven inside the cell, and then reintroduce it to the po to the patient with the hope of being able to form um, uh, the, the protein. Uh, and it have the protein express in the fibril form so that the layers of skin can be attached and uh, much more and be, create a much more normal situation. This is a potentially a transformative uh, a transformative therapy. Your gene therapy FCX007 you're you're hoping to apply to the FDA to begin human clinical trials. What did the preclinical study show? Well, so far, uh, what we've done is recently we presented data in, Gla in Glasgow. Uh, our in vitro product development data showed that FCX007, which is genetically modified human dermal fibroblast, expresses full-length collagen 7 and exhibits the proper tri trimeric form, size, and binding functionality characteristic of anchoring fibrils, which are missing or deficient in RDEB patients. By genetically modifying the autologous fibroblast, ex vivo, to produce collagen 7, culturing them, and then treating blisters and wounds locally by injection is our goal. And FCX uh, offers the potential to address the underlying cause of this disease by providing high levels of collagen 7 to the affected areas and avoiding systemic treatment. Where we are now is also we're completing uh, further uh, uh, animal studies at, uh, at Stanford University, which is uh, one of the leading RDB centers in the world. And those studies will be concluded uh, shortly, and uh, it's uh, you know God willing we'll have everything we need to you know file an IND in the middle of this year and begin human trials in the second half of this year. Any sense what clinical trials will look like and, and what kind of a time frame you expect? Um, well, we we need to submit the IND to the to the FDA to get you know approval for the clinical design. Uh, but you know what we're anticipating is it'll be a mix of uh, adult patients to begin with, and then and then uh, and then a group of uh, pediatric patients. And, and do you expect this to be a treatment or a cure? Well, we'll know more as we go through uh, our clinical trials. Um, but what we hope is that when we administer our product to a, to an affected area, um, that uh, that area will hopefully uh, stay uh, you know basically healed or secured for a long, long time. Uh, we'll, we won't know how long it lasts until we, you know, go through our clinical trials and get more experience with our product. Uh, but we, we think that you basically that each blistered area of the of the patient will ultimately would need to be treated, hmm. and uh, how long it lasts uh, is yet to be determined. So it's 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 not a a systemic treatment. It's a fairly localized. Right, it's localized treatment. So basically, the fibroblast cells uh, reside directly underneath the dermis, uh, epidermis. Uh, so basically, when we uh, take the person's own cells and inject them back into that area, we're injecting them into a habitat that they're that they're familiar with. 
Um, so we're, we're not we're not administering this systemically. We're administering on a localized basis, which we think makes a lot of sense because the fibroblast is the is the is the cell that is not functioning properly in, in these patients. So we're uh, getting these cells to function properly, and we're putting them back to where they are logically supposed to be. Um, so uh, we think that's uh, that's the uh, that's our approach. We think it's a you know really solid uh, way to go about it from a biological point point of view, and from you know mechanistically, it makes a lot of sense to to go this way. As you mentioned, this is a, an autologous cell therapy. It, it's modifying cells taken from the patient's own body. I, I, I take it that means there's not going to be a problem with compatibility, but does this present manufacturing or other challenges? What's the actual process? Right. So, good, good question. Uh, the actual process is we would take uh, skin biopsies, you know, from from patients. Um, a, a doctor would, and uh, they would send them to our manufacturing facility, uh, where we would begin the culturing cell culturing process. Um, and uh, also included in that cell culturing process is the transduction. Or which is basically the the part of the process where we get the gene to permeate the cell wall and uh, become part of the part of the the DNA. Uh, so that's all you know. That's what we do. Uh, probably we anticipate it take about four months to make an individual product. And uh, you know, there's an awful lot of effort and expertise that goes into uh, making sure that the product meets you know all the quality standards and what have you. And uh, we have a great deal of experience in working with autologous fibroblast cells in general. That's one of the core competencies that we have. And uh, we're applying a lot of the uh, same techniques that, uh, that we currently use uh, to making this product as well. Uh, the big accept, the big uh, uh, new part is the transduction part. And you are working in, in other therapeutic areas that are focused on rare skin and connective tissue diseases. Your lead therapeutic is in mid-stage clinical testing for dysphonia. What, what's dysphonia, and, and how does that therapeutic work? Right. So the, the dysphonia is um, we're working on it specifically on chronic dysphonia. Uh, so chronic dysphonia would be dysphonia that lasts that persists for greater than thirty days. And uh, in a severe uh, dysphonia patient, uh, essentially they they virtually lost their voice. And in moderate patients, they have a, a very much impaired voice, so they're very hard to understand. So you could imagine you know, how limiting uh, that would be for the individual patient and you know, the impact that it has on, on their life. Um, so what, what we do is, and, and oftentimes this dysphonia is related to a scar that forms on a vocal cord. Uh, when the scar forms on a vocal cord, it can restrict the vocal cord from being uh, pliable and, and soft and supple enough to be able to move properly. Uh, so when it doesn't move properly, then the, then the air passes through the vocal cord for the windpipe without enough fluttering of the vocal cord, and therefore you don't get any intelligible sound, you know, basically. Um, so the, the vocal cord itself is a connective tissue, and it's, uh, uh, has, it's you know, highly populated with fibroblast cells. So our concept here is basically take a fibroblast cell, take a skin sample from a patient, um, you know, take it through our entire cultivation process with, you know, manufacturing, you know, hundreds of millions of, of fibroblast cells, and then injecting them directly into the vocal cord. Uh, and our goal is to basically restore the extracellular matrix in the vocal cord so that it has uh, full pliability and it's uh, nice, you know, softer and more pliable and, you know, moves more, more easily and therefore improving the voice quality of these patients suffering from chronic dysphonia. 
You're also conducting preclinical studies for gene therapy in scleroderma. What is scleroderma and what does this gene therapy do? Yeah, so uh, scleroderma is a very uh, broad disease, and what we're, what we're focused on is one segment of that that's called linear scleroderma. Uh, essentially, what happens um, with patients with, the, with this disease is usually an autoimmune reaction triggers the fibroblast cells to more or less overproduce collagens 1 and collagens 3, which are two types of, of very common collagens. And what happens is when this overproduction occurs, is that you get hardening and thickening and layering of the skin. And typically it manifests itself in terms of like a long, thick, hard scar. Oftentimes it appears across major joints. Um, so when they appear across uh, major joints, not only can it be very painful and disfiguring for the patient, but also, um, you know, it could, it could impair mobility to a great degree. And, and, and it also could impair development of a, of a leg or an arm or a shoulder. Uh, so there's some, you know, very uh, significant and severe, you know, uh, the, you know, problems that this can occur, can occur. So what we want to do, uh, what we're, what our objective here is basically, again, to take a person's own skin cells and genetically modify it with a gene to express a protein that'll help to break up the unnecessary collagen one and three, with hopefully the desired endpoint being to relieve the tightness and thickening and hardness of the scar that's been formed and uh, help to return, you know, that area to a more normal state. And then and thereby, you know, having the impact of hopefully, you know, reducing pain, increasing mobility, and hopefully if we treat it early enough, um, you know, not, you know, preventing uh, developmental issues that might occur. Okay. So sometimes a scleroderma patient, for example, if they have a linear scleroderma, you know, the length of their leg, one leg may develop, you know, very normally, the other leg is underdeveloped, or, or, or same thing on a shoulder or an arm. Um, so if we, uh, our objective would be to, you know, treat as early as we can and, and prevent those, those negative uh, sequelae from occurring. It's still early days for gene therapy as a commercial product. Any sense yet how payers are viewing this and, and what price points they'll tolerate? Have, have you had any kind of early discussions with payers? Uh, no, no, we have not yet. It's a little bit early for us to, to do that. Um, you know, and, and you know, at some point in the future, we'll, we'll definitely have, we'll, you know, definitely part of our consideration. You know, we're very uh, passionate and uh, about our work, and are uh, very inspired by, you know, our progress. Um, you know, our, our focus on the patient, and you know, obviously, that's our that's our major goal is to help, you know, these uh, patient groups of patients, which you know, basically, they don't have many options available to them, and uh, in some cases, you know, not any real options other than treating the symptoms of the disease and you know, what we want to do is basically, you know, come in and, and treat more of the underlying cause of, of their conditions. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll address uh, the pricing issues when the, when the time comes. How do you go about valuing a technology like this? Well, you know, basically, you know, what we're, what we're hoping is that, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the products we're working on, we hope that they'll hopefully be transformative in nature. You know, in the case of dysphonia, being able to have people be able to communicate verbally, uh, you know, I think have a very big impact on, you know, their quality of life and daily daily functionality, I think. And, you know, that's, that's an awful lot of value. So there's a very big patient benefit. And likewise, with, with RDB, uh, all the existing therapies, you know, which are, you know, we're glad people ha have access to them, but they've largely addressed the symptoms, not the underlying cause of the disease. And we help to you know, really get, you know, really in there and, and help with the underlying cause of disease. And similarly with linear, linear scleroderma, the same thing. 
Um, so, you know, we, we hope to have, you know, very big and positive impact on diseases that, uh, you know, really need it. And, and, and that, that's, that's, that's the disease, that's the areas that we try to focus on. So, you know, smaller patient populations, um, you know, orphan, orphan type categories, skin and connective tissue, big unmet medical need, where we believe that there's enough reason for us to believe we can have a major impact on those diseases. David Pernock, Chairman and CEO of Fiber Cell Sciences. David, thanks so much for your time today. You're very welcome, Dan. Thank you, and uh, good luck. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.